Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher, and you can find me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. So the last week of Preds hockey, uh, a, a defeat, a blowout win, a blowout loss, a win in overtime against a really good team basically defines the entire season. And yet they are still somehow, some way in a position to make a run to the postseason. I don't know how it's happening. We'll get into their final five games. We'll get into Winnipeg and Calgary's schedule. We'll try to take a look at what they could actually accomplish here uh, as we head into the final stretch. Uh, we will have games on Thursday and Friday of next week that will probably decide all of this, and we'll have a show leading into those two games, and we might even know about what their situation is at this time next week. So uh, two more shows to go in the regular season, Michael. Of course, all brought to you by our wonderful and amazing friends over at Jasper's. You can go watch these home and road games at Jasper's with free parking, the next evolution of the sports bar, $10 smash burgers, $3 beers, free game room, big screen TV. They will take care of you, I promise. Go to Jasper's. Great food, great place to eat, free parking, menu's amazing. Gold standard cocktail named after this show. We're also going to take a look at Tommy Novak just in general. Just the the mythology, the, the Greek mythical god that is Tommy Novak. We will discuss him. Uh, although I, I believe he's uh, from Minnesota, so he's an American, so that's cool. But we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk Tommy Novak and just how extraordinary the season really is uh, for Novak after three more points in the win over Vegas in overtime uh, on Tuesday evening. We'll get into the Pride Night stuff. Tyson Berry, just hat tip to you, my friend, for coming out and actually standing up for what you believe in. John Hines, the entire team in the organization. Uh, what do we think of the uniforms? Why don't they actually wear them during games? We got all kinds of stuff to get to on that as well. Uh, and then maybe, maybe. Will cause some Preds fans, I don't know, perhaps some consternation if we say, could John Hines be saving his job? I think that was an episode title a couple of weeks ago, Michael, was can John <laughs> Hines save his job? It was. But here we are. Here we are. And the last week of hockey, I think, sort of defines this current Preds team without all their best players, uh, with a bunch of young players that are unproven playing. They lose to Pittsburgh on the road, 2-0. They destroy St. Louis 6-1. to They get destroyed at home by Dallas, who's now, by the way, back in first place at time of taping. Uh, Vegas is the, is probably the best team they've beaten the entire season. Uh, they beat them in overtime. And I thought what was really interesting, Michael, watching that game, not only Tommy Novak's two goals and an assist and his absolute tear, and we'll get to him, but the the and Kevin, Kevin Lakin was pretty good in that game. Glass with the amazing play at the end there in overtime to win the game. I uh, don't think it was intentionally bounced off the skate, but Either way, great play. Uh, the way they celebrated, man, like the way they sell that they, they it looked like a bunch of kids playing on the youth rink. They celebrated that overtime goal and that extra point. Like I have not seen a Predators team celebrate in a while, and I don't know if you made anything of that reaction, but it just seemed like there was like this sort of youthful exuberance that they they may not make the playoffs. They know they may not make the playoffs. In fact, it's probably a really far sort of long shot to get into the postseason but my god does it look like they are actually having fun trying and i i'm gonna say as a fan of, a, of sports in general i appreciated the way they celebrated even if i want them to lose games to get a better draft pick yeah i think i think we touched on it a couple weeks ago that the, the, the pressure is off and this team has played better this year when the pressure is off I mean, you you beat Buffalo, then you take one of two from Seattle, then you beat Boston, who was on a historic pace. You expected to beat St. Louis, you win that one, then you beat Vegas. Like they're on a pretty good little run here, and they're doing it 
with Luke Evangelista, Phil Tomasino, Rasmus Asplund, guys that aren't even supposed to be on this team right now. You're doing it without Roman Yossi, without Alex Carrier. Ryan McDonough has been in and out. Like it's kind of, it reminds me of the movie, the replacements where the NFL is on strike and you get a bunch of replacement players that come in and, and Shane Falco leads them to the playoffs. Like Tommy Novak is Shane Falco in this situation here. Um, it's just, it's crazy and it's fun to watch. And I think that's the thing that really kind of turned the tide here the last couple of weeks in Nashville with just how down everyone was on the predators. I think once they made the concession, they're selling, they were okay with taking a knee on the rest of the season, getting a high draft pick. But once the team started winning with these youthful exuberant players that are fun to watch, even if they were losing, like the Pittsburgh game, that, that was that was a hard one to watch. The Toronto game, the 7-2 loss to Seattle, some of those are hard pills to swallow. But I think the fans are okay with that because you have games like where you beat Boston 2-1 to one, and you have games where you beat Vegas 3-2 to two in overtime and Cody Glass and Luke Evangelista and everyone is giving you a reason to be excited. Like, they may lose games, but they're doing it in a way that's really fun to watch. And that, for the first, what, 60 games of the year, that wasn't the case. Yeah, and I think... <laughs> I am torn on on. I mean, at this point, again, we're 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 down to five games to go. They'll play Carolina on Thursday. Obviously, the road trip to Winnipeg on Saturday is as monumental as it gets. And then, of course, they followed up with a road trip to Calgary on Monday. Then they will have a two day break um, and play Minnesota on Thursday at home and Colorado on Friday at home. And I believe the Colorado game was a was a reschedule, correct? So I think one one of those two was and. So, like, they have a bona fide chance. Now, they are three points back, even in games. Um, Winnipeg, you can look at their schedule and go Calgary, Nashville, San Jose, at Minnesota, at Colorado. So, they finish with the same two, but both on the road. However, Winnipeg gets the game at home against Nashville over the weekend. Uh, they have played well against the Jets um, at, at times this year. What, what do you make of their actual chances? Like, what what is it? I mean... Do you run UC Saros out there five straight games and just say, look, we 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 need you here, man, um, and just hope that the, the youthful exuberance that you're talking about carries them to the to the postseason? Because again, they they probably have to win minimum three, if not four games. One of them has to be Winnipeg, and they've got to gain ground. They've got to gain three points on a team where they're only going to play once. Yeah, I mean, it, it's awfully tough to it's awfully tempting to to want to put Saros out in every single game the rest of the year because he obviously gives you the best chance to win. But, I mean, Kevin Lincoln improved last night. Like, he can hold his own against playoff-caliber teams. He has a win over Vegas, only allowed two goals. Uh, he only allowed three goals against Toronto. They lost that by, by one goal. The, the Rangers game obviously looks bad. But against L.A., against Florida, against Florida again, the three three quality wins there. He, he has a win over Washington, the Islanders early on in the season. Like, he he backup goaltender is no longer a liability for this team. So if you if you're looking at the schedule and you're and you're trying to sit there and be like, okay, well, you have Carolina and Winnipeg within two days, and then you have you know, finishing on the back-to-back against Minnesota and Colorado, I think it's probably preferable. I, I just have this this feeling in the gut of my stomach that it's gonna come down to that final game just like it did last year. And if it's gonna be against Colorado, you'd probably want Sorrow starting that game. So starting Lankin against Minnesota probably is the, the better bet. But it's not like last year where you have David Riddick and it's like, okay, well, we're throwing Riddick out there. We're conceding. We're going to lose this game. Kevin Lincoln can easily go out there and beat the Minnesota Wild if if things are going right offensively and defensively in front of him. So it'll be interesting to watch. And I think Saros is probably more rested at this point now than he was at this point last year. And obviously he had the injury last year, so he was dealing with that. But I think he's more – 
They've managed his workload better this year, and Kevin and Lincoln has really helped. So if you do have to throw Saros out there for all five games to have a shot to get into the playoffs, it's not the worst thing in the world, but obviously you'd probably like to try to avoid that. So a couple couple of good things here. One, Calgary, and another. oh, by the way, Calgary's involved in this. Um, they'll play at Winnipeg, at Vancouver, Nashville at home, and then San Jose. But, they, but, but when Nashville plays them on Monday, they will only have one more game left. And of course, on Wednesday against San Jose at home, which is an easy win, Winnipeg also gets San Jose. So while Nashville doesn't have any easy games and the other two teams do, they have some head-to-heads. But here's the difference. Calgary is done on Wednesday. So, so Nashville will know if it controls its own destiny against Calgary or not. They will know. Whereas it, that Winnipeg will play on Thursday at Colorado. And so you don't know necessarily against Minnesota on Thursday what your situation is. Going into the Friday game against Colorado, you will absolutely know uh, what that situation is. By the way, you mentioned um, uh, how this team has played since the trade. I just wanted to – they traded Matias Ekholm on February 28th. Since February 28th, the Predators are 10-7-2. So not great, but I think way better than people anticipated after the major sell-off. So again, 10-7-2. Definitely considering the top six is made up of pretty much all prospects. I mean, that's – it, 10 7 and 1 isn't exactly like a, a record that you're blown yeah. away by, but considering it's Luke Evangelista and Igor Afanasiev and, and all these guys, and Cal Foot's getting significant playing time, which he, she, he's had some boneheaded plays. But considering the quality of players Nashville is throwing out there now compared to the pre trade deadline, yeah. the team, I don't want to say the team's worse, but the caliber of players are, there's a significant drop off and they're, they're outperforming what they were before the deadline. Yeah, I want to say they were like seven games over 500 when they traded him. Um, and and now they're, again, they've only been three games over 500 since the trade. But that's, again, t- to your point, you didn't even mention without Forsberg, without Johansson, without Parson, and you didn't even mention those guys, which we kind of just forget about um, that we have you to say that. Uh, but here's the other, but here's the stuff that's working against them. Uh, obviously, Minnesota and Colorado right now are tied for the division lead with the Dallas Stars, which means every point is critical for both of those teams and Dallas because obviously you want the one seed, you want to win the division, you want to play a wild card, you don't want to play each other in that 2-3 matchup. That's also a factor with Carolina. They are currently, as we tape, three points ahead of the Devils. They do not want to fall back into that 2-3 matchup. You want to be the division champion. Um, We just saw them play very well against Vegas, but there's a lot working against this team. I still put it at like... I still think it's like a 22% chance they make the playoffs. I still think it's pretty low. But I think all things considered, the way they stockpiled the future prospects, the big changes in the front office that are coming, we'll get to John Hines. But with all of this that's taking place and the roster they're putting out there every single night, for them to be five games, three points back of a playoff spot, five games to go, it, it like at some point you kind of just have to say, you know, Pretty good work, boys. Like, pretty good work. You've put a competitive hockey team out there, a winning hockey team out there, despite all the injuries, despite all the trades, despite all the cha- the transition in the front office. You're still out there putting a-, a-, a product out there that I think people are proud of, even if we know they're not a great team. Yeah, I still think their playoff chances are pretty low as well. I would put probably ballpark at 20 25%. Like, I could see them beating Winnipeg on, on the 8th, and I could see them beating Calgary on the 10th. And I could even see them squeaking out a win against either one of Minnesota or Colorado. I mean, who knows? If Colorado has a division locked up by the end of the season, they might rest half their team in that final game just to make sure no one's hurt going to the playoffs. That could easily turn to a win. So three three wins out of their final five games isn't out of the realm of possibility. But if, if you're going against all these teams full force, Carolina is probably going to be a loss. 
Calgary and Winnipeg, like I said, could easily be wins in Minnesota and Colorado. Those two would probably more than likely be losses as well. So it's it's going to be tough. But, I mean, the way this team is playing and, and the way that John Hines is kind of pushing the right buttons at the right time, I mean, who knows? They could – I'm not going to completely rule out that they could sneak into the playoffs. It's going to be one of those things where it, it might come down like it did last year to the final game of the regular season. And I think one other thing to point out um, – the difference between last year and this year, though, is UC Saros is healthy. So yeah, yeah, there you go. But I think I think one of the point out too again that's working against them: Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, the top three in the Central, Vegas, Edmonton, LA, top three in the Pacific. Even Seattle, Winnipeg, and Calgary ahead of Nashville in the wild card standings. All of them have a plus, and then the plus minus differential. They're all in the in the plus. Nashville is minus eleven. They're the only team that's yep. even even within. I think they're the only team that could theoretically make the playoffs right now that has a minus goal differential. So that's something else to keep in mind. And it's not just Colorado's plus 46. Dallas is plus 54. Like these teams are really good. Nashville's minus 11. The, the, the talent disparity will catch up to them eventually. Yeah, no, there's no question about that. Like, but again, we are at this point, like you said, the pressure's off. They're playing with house money at this point. I, I think here's the thing. They have to have at least three wins and they can only have one regulation loss. I, you start doing the math. They're three points down on Winnipeg. Even if you beat them, and if you only win three games and you get six points, that puts you plus three, which means Winnipeg can't win two games out of five and you're or you're done. And so I think you have to get seven points minimum to be tied. And isn't the tiebreaker then uh, regulation wins? Is that regular? Is that what regulation or overtime? Like, what's the tie? Is it head to head? What is the tiebreaker then at that point? Uh, I don't know. If you talk for a second, I can look it up. <laughs> um, Calgary, again, 87 points at time of taping. Winnipeg, 87 points at time of taping. I do think it is head-to-head, I believe, between the two teams. Um, but again, I, I don't think it... I, like. I so think the tiebreaker you... is uh, the team that's accumulated more points in head-to-head matchup against the team they're tied with. Okay, so I've, I don't have their record against Winnipeg right off the top of my head. Um, uh, if you talk for a second, I'll look that up. <laughs> Yeah, what I mean, it, what great podcast? It's realistically, going to come. Out, it's going realistically going to come down to Nashville, Winnipeg, and Calgary because I mean everyone's talking as if Nashville just has to hold off uh, Winnipeg, which is true. But Calgary's right there. Calgary is actually ahead of Nashville in the standings as well. And like you said, Calgary finishes this the, the season before the Predators do, so it's it's really a three team race. But I understand the emphasis to want to just kind of well, what's Winnipeg going to do? How's Nashville going to play against Winnipeg? Um, but it's and I mean, look. With Connor Hellebuck, it's it's kind of like the same thing with UC Saros. If you have a goalie that's that good, he can go out there and win you a game that you have no business winning. So, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to watch this this next five-game stretch to see how it goes. I, I think it's 4-4, actually, uh, going into this final game, Winnipeg and Nashville. I think it's four points to four points because there were two overtime losses by Nashville and then an outright win. So that's four So points. really, whoever wins this final game, if they're tied, whoever yep. wins this final game will get in. We'll have the tiebreaker that to your point that does not include Calgary, but yeah. Nashville will know going into Nashville will have two games knowing that it needs either two points, three points or four points to pass Calgary. I, I think the thing that is out of their control is Winnipeg. I, I think they have to they have to if they go five and oh, they're probably going to get in. If they go four and one, they still might not get in. I think three, one and one and you're probably out. I think you need to win four games, I think. That's why I put the chances at like 20% because I just don't think that Calgary's won. I was going to say Calgary's won five of the last seven. They had, they had a four game win streak. Granted, it was against San Jose, Vancouver, Anaheim, teams like that. But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Calgary going on a four game win streak to end the season and it it just being out of the Preds' hands entirely. I mean, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. And as a hockey fan, 
yes, I understand the season's been bad. There's been a lot of angst thrown David Poyle's way and Predators fans were unhappy this year. And I, I get all that. But as a fan, like this is what you want, man. You want to root for your team. You, you probably want to be in the playoffs before the final couple of games of the, of the regular season. But you want to be rooting for your team coming down to the wire because you have a realistic shot of getting into the playoffs. And once you get in there, I mean, it, it's a toss up of what could happen. Well, and I want to get to Novak because we'll get to him in a second. But that sort of watching guys like that, Cody Glass develop, now putting up a 30 plus point season. I mean, all these things that are happening, like without any pressure to actually, all, all your job is, is to go out there and, and compete at a high level, hopefully put an entertaining product on the ice and get better for next year. And I don't think any fan has any more expectation than just that. And as long as you're doing that every night, then hell yeah, playoff race is fun. And I think that's what it is because they don't have, again, there's no pressure, there's no expectations. And I think teams play very different in every sport. Teams play very differently. When they're not when they're not all puckered up, um, okay. Heinz here. How how concerned or excited? I guess I should ask it that way, because um, we talked about this that he that John Heinz could be auditioning for Barry Trotz, not for the fans. Again, I don't think the fans want to see this, but all this young talent is developing. Tommy Novak is becoming a star. Yusuf Parson in on and on down the list. Tomasino looks better. I mean, for all the mistakes that Poyle and Heinz have made in the past. There's a lot of good to be seen tangibly on the ice from a lot of these players. Afanasiev is now playing like you talked about. I, are we going to see a yeah. tryout year? Are we going to see a an interview year from John Hines as if the last few years weren't enough for Barry Trotz to make a decision? I, I think I think a majority of Preds fans are sharpening their pitchforks and busting out their lighters. And I, don't kill the messenger, but what I've been hearing is that John Hines the seat has gotten a little bit cooler for him given how well the team's playing, given that they could potentially get into the playoffs without Roman Yossi, without Philip Forsberg, Alex Carrier, Ryan Johansson, Matt Shane, without all this talent, they're still fighting for a playoff spot. Tommy Novak, 17 goals and 41 points in 46 games. Cody Glass, 14 goals, 33 points. Yusuf Parson was playing really well before he got injured. The young players on the team are really what's carrying them to this playoff push right now. So I, I, the talk that I've been hearing is I wouldn't be surprised if John Hines does keep his job. I don't think it would be a resounding. He's our coach. We're going forward with him. He signed it. He got a two-year contract extension last offseason. This is the first year. I think from what I've been hearing, I wouldn't be surprised if Barry Trotz keeps him next year. And then if he decides, and if it goes south and it's really bad, you can fire him in the middle of the year because he only has until the end of the year in his contract, whatever, bring in someone else or have an interim coach or whatever. Um, but I think, and I think you made the point a couple of weeks ago, if you're starting the rebuild and, and when we think this team next year, the top six is going to look a lot like it did last night with Evangelista, Tomasino, Novak, all the young guys. No, I, it, I, and, it, it better not look like that because there's, you have, well, you're, you're going to have Forsberg and you're going to have Duchesne and Johansson. Johansson. Back. I, yeah. Well, one of one of Duchesne and Johansson probably, but <laughs> if you're if you're if you're starting the rebuild and you're bringing in all the youthful prospects and you're going to plug them into the roster next year, what better if you're if you're going to stick with John Hines? What better situation than to say, okay, you sell, sold us that you're a developmental coach. Now go prove it because we're giving you all of our best young players on the main roster. So I, I know there's a lot of people that are grinding their teeth right now. They don't want to hear it. But don't be surprised if John Hines keeps his job. And something Barry Trotz said at his press conference made me think a little bit that, oh, God, I this could be a possibility. He said he's been a coach for a long time, and he knows what a well-coached team looks like. And he said that this is a well-coached team, and John Hines is a good coach. So 
take that for what it's worth. Again, they, they might miss out in the playoffs and Barry Trotz might take a week off and, and decide, you know what, a fresh restart, new coach, everything will be great for this whole yeah. regime change. Yeah. That's probably the best possibility for this team. But don't be surprised if John Hines keeps his job. Because I said, next year is the last year of his contract. If if it goes bad, you can fire him midseason. There's not really any repercussions in it. And if you're in the same position next year that you are right now, where you're maybe fighting for the playoffs, not quite getting there, then you let him go because his contract runs out and you bring in someone else. Counterpoint. Does Carl Taylor deserve all the credit for where these players are? How much credit does Carl Taylor deserve for where these players are? And how much is John Hines? I I, I think it's worth discussing. <laughs> oh, I, I absolutely do. I've been saying this all season long that Carl Taylor deserves 97% of the credit for this because wow, Tommy Novak, Cody Glass, Yusuf Parson, all these guys that are making a difference now were in Milwaukee. I think some, I think Aaron, uh, uh, the, the play-by-play guy for the Admirals, um, I think he tweeted out that 15 players on the Predators rosters now played in Milwaukee at some point this year. Carl Taylor, look guys, Carl Taylor is an NHL head coach. Whether it's going to be with the Predators or not remains to be seen. He will be on an NHL roster next year, either as a head coach or an assistant coach somewhere. If you do keep John Hines, maybe you see Carl Taylor promoted to the assistant coach role. And then if it if if he fails, you have the built-in failsafe of, hey, move Carl Taylor over because that's the perfect transition even if you keep Carl Taylor in the NHL and you fire John Hines, like I still think Carl Taylor should be the guy leading this team next year. But uh, so, so I, I, I like where you're going on that because I think this is the only reason, I, the only way I would be on board with John Hines being the head coach next season is if Carl Taylor is essentially the midseason coach in waiting in case of emergency. Like, oh, I, absolutely. I, th- I think that's the only way you can possibly sell that to this fan base. Wh- wh- whether he is the assistant head coach of the Predators, whether he whether you told him that, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Barry Trot says, look, Carl, stay down here in Milwaukee. We are good. John, John has 47 games to prove that it's the real deal. And if he doesn't, he's we, we have to move on, which everyone in the fan base would be okay with. And frankly, I think even John would probably John's such a good dude that John would probably be like, yep, I, it's okay. <laughs> like, I, I understand uh, you need to try something fresh. And I think that is where you it the only way I am even remotely even going to consider it being OK to have John Hines back next year is if you have Carl Taylor locked into the interim head coaching role in case you do need to fire John Hines next season, it, in which case you then get to audition both of them. You you want to if you're Barry Trotz, you want to see both of them in action. You've seen a lot of Hines. You haven't seen Taylor on this level. Let's see what he's got. And that would be the to me. It's auditioning Carl Taylor. That's the one benefit of not firing Hines because I do think you're taking a huge risk if you fire Hines and just bring Carl Taylor in now to be the head coach. I think there is more risk involved in that than having him be the interim for half a season or even a little bit more or whatever, and say, look, let's see what you got, man. Let's see what you can do. Um, when it comes to this season, either way, no matter what happens, that Twitter is going to be uh, Twitter is going to be fun when the season officially ends for the Predators, be it in the playoffs or otherwise. Uh, and Heinz is there's no press release. It's going to be a lot of clock watching and email refreshing and <laughs> lots of lots of stuff going on for that uh, that that locker clean out final press conference moment uh, when uh, the David Poyle always used used to used to conduct business at. So, OK. 
Uh, we're going to get into Tommy Novak, the Pride Knight, Tyson Berry, uh, of course, uh, welcome to Nashville, big guy. And uh, obviously, they're th- those uniforms and sort of the situation moving forward. But I want to talk Tommy Novak before we do. The Gold Standard is brought to you by our wonderful and amazing friends at Jaspers. Oh, man. You took all my adjectives, so I didn't have anything to throw in there. You nailed it, dude. You nailed it. Just you're you're a regular Hemingway when it comes to promoting our wonderful and amazing friends, Jaspers. It's a great place. Something to else to add. Something else to add in these ads too. The the like the staff is friendly. It's 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 hard to come by these days where you go to a restaurant, go out to eat, and you find like a server that's like genuinely in a good mood. They're usually always kind of I don't I don't know what the word is, but the like. I haven't had that when I went to Jasper's. My my server was really friendly. The one time I went, I'm basically one time. But <laughs> how about how about this new menu items? This is part of what makes them the next evolution of the sports bar. Yes, they have great drink specials. Yes, the parking is free. Yes, the game room is free. Yes, they are a proud partner of your natural predators. But they also have new menu items. They're constantly refreshing. They've got a Thai barbecue salmon and smoked salmon uh, dip. If you want an appetizer or an entree there. Uh, they've got some veg- vegetable-friendly options. The eggplant parm is there now. I personally am not an eggplant parm guy, but I know people love it. My wife loves eggplant parmesan, so they got the eggplant parm there. And of course, every restaurant cannot be a restaurant in Nashville without something hot chicken-based. But I like it that they do something different. It is a hot chicken pizza and hot chicken and waffles not to be missed on the brunch menu and, of course, on the pizza menu as well. So check out the new menu items when you go to Jasper's. Tell them 440 Sports sent you. Order yourself a gold standard cocktail and check out the Nashville Predators race to the Stanley Cup playoffs, Michael, and not pay for parking. <laughs> not pay for parking the entire time. I suddenly just got hungry. Perfect addition to the ad, Mike. <laughs> All right, so let's get to Thomas Novak. I wish I had his middle name. I couldn't find his middle name. But Thomas Novak, Tommy, Tommy, as they say, uh, two goals and an assist in the win over Vegas. And I, I, the thing that kept hitting me the entire time I was watching the game and I was texting, I was like, we got to figure out just how unprecedented or unexpected this particular run has been for a player of his caliber. Now, a couple of things to note. This is not a UDFA, an undrafted free agent. This is not like a seventh round pick. So like he was a third round draft pick, the 85th overall pick. This is not some guy that just was never, never had any pedigree at all. So we have to acknowledge that part of his his path to getting here. And and technically, and this is what's a super bummer here, technically, of course, he played 27 games last year, which means he's not a rookie this year. If he played three less games, if John Hines had just played him three less times last year, he would be a rookie right now. And these would be this would be where he ranks all time in Nashville Predators rookie history if he was allowed to be a rookie, which he's not. Right now, he has 17 goals. That would rank him fourth all-time, one behind Alexander Radulov, of course, Philip Forsberg at the record at 26, Tanner Janot second with 24. If he scores two more goals, it would be the third-best rookie season in the history of the Preds, again, if he was allowed to count. He is currently right now tied for third-most assists all-time by any Predators rookie with 24. He's three behind Alex Carrier, who actually is number two on the list, with 27 from technically last year. Uh, and then Philip Forsberg with 37 assists, number one on the list. Total points, Philip Forsberg, 63, number one all-time amongst all Predators rookies. Right now, Tommy Novak, if he was a rookie, which he basically is in in spirit and and in mind, um, and, and maybe in, in body, 
41 total points would be tied with Tanner Janot for the second best rookie season in Predators hockey history. We are seeing almost an unprecedented year from a player with, with in terms of what Tommy Novak is doing. Um, is it more unexpected, more surprising than than Tanner Janot? I, I am I, I'm having a tough time debating those two. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, Tanner Janot came out of nowhere and he was undrafted. It was surprising when he got called up because I think at the time it was called, there were probably two or three other forwards in Milwaukee that, that made a little bit more sense, that offered a little bit more offensively at the time. Um, but I mean, anyone that would sit there and say that they knew Tommy Novak was capable of this, I mean, 17 goals, 41 points in 46 games. He's basically a point-per-game player since he's been called up this year. I, I, I would say Novak's probably came as a little bit less of a surprise than Janot because I don't think anyone thought Tanner Janot was capable of what he did, nonetheless fetching five draft picks in a trade for him. But I, I would probably go most surprising Janot 1A and then Novak 1B. I think, I mean, look, he was a third-round pick. He like he had a pretty decent college career. He wasn't like a forty goal scorer or anything like that. But I think now we're we're kind of seeing what he is capable of offensively. And he's 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 in Nashville. He's outperforming even what he was doing in Milwaukee. So I mean, I think it's splitting hairs trying to decide which one is more impressive. But I mean, Janelle as an undrafted free agent, I think that probably gives him the edge a little bit. Well, and if you look at like sort of the, the the ranks here, and there'll, there'll be a reason why I bring this up and you'll notice in a second, but just to, to sort of talk through all of the, the best rookie seasons in Predators history, um, in just a points perspective, number one, Forsberg, number two, Janot, number three, Radiloff, so very highly regarded in terms of expectations for Alexander Radiloff. Craig Smith with 36 points, pretty highly regarded player uh, coming up through the ranks. Martin Erad is interesting because he scored 33 points in 2002, he was a seventh round pick and he was 20 years old. So I think you got to put Martin Erat's rookie season in there as a whoa. The problem is he came back the next year and only played 27 games, uh, only at eight points. Uh, do you want to know who is uh, right now? What is it? One, two, three, four, five, seventh on the list all time or sixth on the list all time in rookie points? Craig Smith. Uh, Philip Tomasino. Oh, <laughs> imagine that. And then he still started oh, right. the AHL. Uh, Alex Carrier, seventh on the list. So in assists, it goes Forsberg, Carrier, Erat. Again, 24 assists as a 20-year-old in 2002. So I think you have to include him. Craig Smith with 22. Uh, that's right. Philip Tomasino with 21. Um, only 11 players have scored double-digit goals as a rookie. Uh, really 10 because Novak doesn't count. Uh, we know Forsberg and Janot are the only two to get to 20. Radiloff is at 18. Uh, good old Adam Hall. I'm not sure. I've watched a lot of Preds hockey. I'm not sure I have heard of Adam Hall. He scored 16 goals as a rookie in 2003. He was a second round pick. So obviously some expectation there. Um, he went on to play for a bunch, you know, he played for the Rangers, the wild, the pant, uh, the, uh, uh, the penguins, the lightning, the flyers <laughs> and the hurricanes. He played for like every team in, in the NHL. Uh, Craig Smith scored 14 goals. David Legwan scored 13 goals. Um, Ellie Tolvin and Kevin Fiala and Philip Tomasino, <laughs> all with 11 goals as rookies. And then, um, Robitaille with 11 and then Marion Cesar with 12. Uh, so there's your, your, your best rookie seasons. I think Erat 
would be the other one I would put in this conversation because again, seventh round pick, twenty year old kid, to basically be you know twenty four assists, which is still right now third all time, thirty three points, which is one two three four uh, fifth all time. E Rat's got to be in the conversation, I think. Yeah, and I mean the the rookie the number of games cutting off before they count as a rookie and stuff too because I'm pretty sure Patrick Hornquist he played 28 games I believe his rookie year but his second year he played 80 games 30 goals 21 assists 51 points I, I would I would put him up there as well but oh that's a great call dude that's a great call 30 goal scorer in his second season as second a second season yeah as a 23 year old that's pretty good talk about coming out of nowhere I mean it's a good call it's uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I understand setting a number being like, okay, if you go past the X number of games, you're no longer a rookie. But I think if you play less than half the season, you should still be able to be considered a rookie in the, the following year because that's what happens a lot, especially in hockey, more so than obviously if you're if you're in major league baseball and you're playing 162 games and you play like 80 games and you get sent back down, like okay, enough of the season's passed. I think you should no longer be a rookie. But is it isn't it 50? I think the rule is 50, right? If you play you have to play more than 50 games, I think. Or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm wrong on that. There, there's two other rules in the NHL. It's it's not just 25 games. It is if you play two consecutive seasons with at least six games, which is a very low number, and you're coming into your third year where you play NHL games, then you're not a rookie. If you are of 25 years or, or older, you're not a rookie, I don't think, either. I think there's an age number. Maybe it's 26 years old. Uh, and then 25 games. So like they 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 do it sort of three different ways. And and I understand you kind of have to you have to put a number in there somewhere, right? Like you have to, you have to define it as a, a number of something, right? At some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it, but it, like right now, Tommy Novak, in my mind, I still think of him as a rookie, right. just like in 2009, I thought of Patrick Hornquist as a rookie. There's other instances and yeah. with the predator specifically where, where that happens. And I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is, but yeah, I, if you count first or second year seasons, there's been a lot of impressive seasons put up by, by young kids, you know, 25 or younger or whatever, if you want to quantify it by that. Um, so, uh, by the way, Hornquist seventh round pick Marion Cesar, uh, from, from Czechoslovakia. Uh, how about this for a career in the NHL, uh, debuted at 21 years old in 2000, played three games, zero points. Then he goes for 60 games the next year, 12 goals, 15 points or 15 assists, 27 points. He is still like top like six or seven in goals scored for Predators rookies all time. Uh, 27 points would put him in the top 10 of points. He played 10 games the following year with one goal and never played again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting, uh, interesting fellow. And I, love, I was just, I, I was just, I love, I love hockey reference. I, I had to look this up. I don't know how old he was when he debuted in 2003. He might have been over the, the, the age limit for rookies. I don't know. But Merrick Zidlicki, 14 goals, 53 points. He's a defenseman. He's not a forward. But that's that's an awfully impressive rookie season as well. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that might be why it wasn't called a rookie, though, because he's 26 years old. I just like that we got really sure. Yeah. I just like that we got Merrick Zidlicki under the pod three straight weeks. Um uh, if you also, sit next to Abby Stanley in the press box enough, Merrick Zidlicki will pop into your mind at the most random moments because Robbie is a, is a big fan of Merrick Zidlicki. Uh, by the way, his first two seasons in, in the NHL, he was a top 15 Norris defenseman, 
first two seasons in the NHL. 53 well, well, points as a rookie, 49 in his second year. I mean, 26 goals those two years combined. That's a pretty solid defenseman for the team for about three or four years. You know what? That sucks that he doesn't count as a rookie uh, because his goals would be he would be tied with Craig Smith for like sixth all time. His points would be clearly number two and his assists would be tied with Philip Forsberg for the record or no, it would would break the record. He'd be he had thirty nine. He would have he would have the record. So just a bummer. Hey, bummer for Merrick Zidlicki there with the stupid rules and the cutoffs. How about that? Well, and, and and there was a oh and, oh by the he way was, there was a there was a strike year in between the two years too in his first yeah. two seasons. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was twenty six, so he was born in in seventy seven, so he was twenty six that year. So he was yeah. he was robbed of the of the rookie record, if you will. Yeah, uh, you got to put the new, restrictions. Yeah, yeah, no, you got to put the you got to put the numbers in there anyway. E- either way, uh, we stand very lucky on this podcast. What an awesome showing by Tommy Novak and uh, earning his way into a top six role for next season potentially. So, uh, just an awesome listen. The the youthful exuberance is fun to watch. There's no question about it. Also fun to watch for your Nashville Predators. Go to Jasper's. Great place to watch them. But also fun to watch. Um, you know, I've seen some. Like I'll, I'll be, I'll be very clear. Uh, I, me, like Tyson Berry, have someone in my family that's very close to me that this issue is very important to. And I, I'd like to believe that in 2023, this really shouldn't be an issue moving forward. And in fact, I think Pride Night in general is designed for people who disagree on things to have a healthy, safe conversation with each other, ideally inside the locker room. Certainly not every player agrees with all of this stuff. Certainly not every human agrees with it. I I can disagree with with that disagreement. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um there's goal wasn't the goaltender for San Jose. Like there's people that have made these public statements that because of their religion somehow, even though Jesus technically never talked about homosexuality, that somehow it is like and it's within their right. But like I think the whole point of Pride Night is to be inclusive, to try to have everyone sort of try to attempt to understand the issue not force their way of life on other people. That's not the goal. That's not what anyone's doing. And and I I feel like th- when somebody comes out and makes a statement that says, I will not, I refuse to wear this jersey because blah, 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 my religious beliefs, that is okay, but you're missing the point. You also probably need to read the New Testament a little bit more, but that's just me. Um, I, here's a statement from Tyson Berry. And I could not, I was like, way to go, dude. Quote, I think it's an awesome initiative. It's something that's really close to my heart. I've got family members and best friends in the community. And there's a little bit of a frustration on my end with what's transpired this year with everything. And that Lord knows what he's talking about there. I I think I know how hard it can be for people to come out and live their authentic lives. And I hope that none of the stuff that's gone on has pushed anyone back, any young kids who are thinking about it. So I'm just really, really excited that everybody on our team is going to participate um, and then John Hines says, all the players will be wearing the jerseys. It's something we've talked about as an organization, and we believe we're an inclusive organization and truly believe that hockey is a safe place for everybody. And it's something that our players are all on board with and want to represent everyone involved from the organization to the people outside of the organization. We talked with our players about it, which I think is the most important point here, Michael. Like, It's okay to have people disagree with this stuff. It's okay to not want to be forced to do something that you don't believe in. But like, the idea is to create a safe conversation about it so that you'll understand where someone else is coming from. And I'll give the Predators some credit here. This is not a high bar, but in the state of Tennessee the last couple of weeks, holy shit. <laughs> I, I am glad to see the National Predators just do... It is the bare minimum here from the players in the organization, but they go out there, they wear the pride jerseys, they're going to sell them and raise money 
Um, they look pretty good too, by the way. Uh, I thought they looked pretty slick. I don't know why you don't wear them in the actual game. I'm a little curious about that. They're sort of just one. They, they do the same thing with the breast cancer awareness and the St. Patrick's Day uniforms and their warm-ups, and they don't wear them in the game. And a lot of times they look really cool, and it'd be nice to see a game with them played in them. They look pretty slick, dude. I thought they looked pretty good. I don't know why you couldn't I just... They look pretty good as well. I don't, right. I don't, and there's been some misses on some of these designs, but I think the Predators Pride Night jerseys are probably among the best in the NHL that I've seen this year. This is not an anti-Irish rant, okay? I'm clarifying. <laughs> this is an anti-amateur hour rant. And I just think all St. Patrick's Day uniforms look pretty bad, except for like the Boston Celtics, for obvious reasons. I just don't well, think they that's, look that's good. Just in that they're going to be good. So, and and I don't like pink uniforms at all. But guess what? It's for this is the whole point. Like I think pink uniforms look ridiculous, but you know what? It's to it's to support at the fight against breast cancer. So what's let's wear some pink here. You know what I mean? Like that. That is the whole point about being inclusive and having the conversation. Is not. It's not so that we want to like silence people. Or, or that you're not allowed to have your own opinion. It's just so that there is a safe place to have a conversation about it. And I feel like players putting out statements that, oh, I don't, I don't believe in this because of my beliefs. It's like, well, you're, you, you're missing the point then. Like, you've missed the whole point of the entire procedure. So good, good on the Preds. Good on John Hines. Great on Tyson Berry to even have more to say about it than, than the rest, some of the rest of the guys. Which, again, not a knock on those guys. They all participated. So good on you. Um, again, uh, buy the uniforms, uh, help promote the, especially with the agenda that's been taking place in the state of late, as Tyson was referring to good job by everybody. I, I will say, and you mentioned Luke Prokop on the episode last week, the first openly gay NHL player, or, or I should say professional hockey player. Um, Bill Haslam is set to take over as, as a uh, majority owner here in the next, I don't know what, two years, maybe probably is what it looks like. Um, in 2011 in May. Haslam signed a bill overturning the Nashville ordinance, ordinance that sort of barred discrimination against the hiring of, of homosexuals and, and gay people in, in the companies, which is, of course, a blatant um, slap in the Constitution's face about human rights and equal treatment under the law and everything else. Um, I will say, while I disagree with most things that Bill Haslam passed as governor of this state, that was 12 or 13 years ago. There's been some lot very prominent Democratic elected officials at the highest office that sort of took a long time to come around on this issue. I am willing to give Bill Haslam a chance to make it right. If I am a Preds fan, a member of the LGBTQ community, if I am a player, if I, anything involved, I think we should give Bill Haslam the opportunity to make it right. If he then doubles down on what is a anti-freedom 2011 piece of legislation, then I think we can all lose our ever-loving minds. Does that sound okay? No, I, I definitely agree. And I would like to think that this issue, topic, whatever you want to call it, came up when it was talked about him buying into the Predators and being an owner because Luke Prokop, there was, I don't want to say like they made a big, huge thing out of it, but there was a lot of attention to it when he came out and it was and he even said that when the Predators drafted him, he sat down and he had a conversation with David Poyle in the front office and told them about this and said, hey, look, I, I know you're interested in drafting me. I'm gay. Here's the situation. I'm not out yet. Stuff like that. And, and they talked about that and they kept that under wraps until he was OK with coming out. I would like to think a similar situation happened with a conversation happened with Bill Haslam where someone had the foresight to say, hey, you've passed a lot of anti 
legislation against some of this stuff, just so you know, this team has an openly gay player. You're probably going to have to address that at some point, whether it be with him behind closed doors or whether it be your first introductory press conference or whenever you officially become the majority or somewhere down the line, you're going to have to address this. And I would like to think that given that how many years ago that was that we could, as a collective society can give him the benefit of the doubt and, and give him space to change. And I point to the example of a couple years ago, I believe it was Robin Leonard who openly supported Donald Trump and was a big Donald Trump fan. And then a year, a couple years go by and all of the, the race stuff and, and the hatred that was coming out of Donald Trump's whatever Robin Leonard said, Hey, I, I used to support Donald Trump. I no longer do because of these reasons. And he said, this is, this is why I think America is so great is because people can have time to change their minds. New information can come to light that can make people see things differently before. And he was like, my beliefs a couple of years ago are no longer my beliefs now. And I would like to think in sports, that can be the shining example of allow someone, don't crucify someone for their worst moment or for one mistake. I'm hoping that this happens with Bill Haslam. I'm hoping he has changed his mind and he's not as closed-minded as his policy used to be. And I'm hoping that he probably has someone working with him to understand why some of the things he maybe said a couple of years ago were wrong or why you can't say them now and stuff like that. So I'm hoping this doesn't turn into a PR nightmare, not just for the Predators, but for the NHL and just for people's rights in general. But it'll be interesting to see how this is handled. I, I think you're right. I think this, I think hopefully enough time has passed that he has maybe seen why some of the things he said you, you can't say that now. And and if that was his belief, those X many years ago, hopefully his beliefs have changed. And I, and I think the team has something in place to make sure that this is addressed properly. New, new shit has come to light, man. New information has come to light, man. Like, and that's what you pay me for. I listen, I am Obama was late on gay marriage. Okay. Like you, you the, if we're going to mention Trump, let's mention Obama. Like he was late on gay marriage. People are late on this stuff. I think one of the things that's missing in all of our entire country, sports, politics, especially the state of Tennessee right now is grace. There needs to be a little bit of grace here. Okay. Um, just because not everybody uses the exact, this is exactly the whole point of the pride night in the first place. And I think it's the whole reason if you put out a statement that you're not going to wear the Jersey and refuse to even have a conversation about it, that you've missed the point. It's not about changing this one individual's mind or changing Bill Haslam's personal beliefs. People are allowed to believe whatever they want to believe. That's the beauty of this country. But it's about just having an open conversation with with each other about why things are the way they are and and just having the space to change our opinions, to be wrong, to maybe not use the right pronoun every now and then. Like It's okay to, to make some of these mistakes as we as a society learn to sort of evolve together. And it, and I think a little bit of grace here, I'm willing to give it to Bill Haslam. I don't agree with many of the things he did personally, but if he comes out and says, I am so proud and be, and as a leader at a time when we need a leader on this particular issue. And he says, look, I am proud that the national predators have Luke Prokop on their roster and I'll do everything in my power to give him the best possible situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever that means. I, I'm going to stand up and be the first guy to applaud him and shake his hand. So, Look, if you like if you like racy photos on Instagram and you want to put fire emoji heart emoji on it, I'm for it, dude. Like go for it. <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut there for those that may or may not understand. Um but but, but I I'm for it, man. Like who you want to like, love who you want to love. This is America. That's all I got to say. Okay. Um with that being said, next week on the show, we shall see if the Nashville Predators are going to be playing for their playoff lives in the final two games of the season or not. 
So go to Jaspers and watch the games. you got Carolina, Winnipeg, Calgary over the weekend, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. It's going to be huge. You can get to Michael Gallagher on Twitter at MGSports underscore. You can get to me at Braden Gall. Go to Jaspers, everybody. Love your neighbor as well. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.